Celtic Stuff Live. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for Boston sports. We hope you enjoyed the first of two bonus interviews for this holiday season. Mike Gorman joining us on Thursday and now here on Christmas Eve we have Adam Kaufman, host of Celtics at 7 on 98.5, the Sports Hub, and Morning Drive anchor on WBZ News Radio 1030 in Boston. He's actually been a guest, as we'll talk about in the interview, but he was the very first guest on Bobby Manning's The Bobcast. So if you haven't listened to The Bobcast, make sure that you do that. If you haven't listened to the Mike Gorman interview, that's a must-listen. It's his first interview on Celtics Stuff Live in, well, really, for this 2016-2017 season. Uh, we did talk to him a couple of times at the end of last year, but it's an hour-long interview. Some great gold nuggets uh, on Scal and Boogie Cousins, among other topics, and really just taking stock of the season a third of the way through with two-thirds coming and really finally a fully healthy roster. So we're going to get into more with Adam. We're definitely going to talk about Cousins. We're going to talk about some of the young players. Uh, we're going to get into a number of different things, so make sure you listen to that. Follow Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter at CSL underscore Tweet Live, as well as your host at CSL underscore Justin. That's me. My co-host John Duke at CSL underscore Duke. The entire CLNS Radio Network is at CLNS Radio. Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash CLNS fans. Download the CLNS Radio app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS Radio in your app marketplace. And Jared Weiss, YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash CLNS Radio. High definition, full length, the locker room interviews, and that garden report. We'd love to see everybody go over to YouTube and onto iTunes and give the Garden Report a rating and a review, as well as Celtic Stuff Live a rating and a review. It's a nice thing to give back to the podcast hosts in your life here during the holiday season. We'll certainly give back to you as well. Blue Apron, as we mentioned on a number of shows recently, has picked up our sponsorship for the entire 2017 calendar year. This interview with Adam Kaufman is brought to you by Blue Apron. Their mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everybody. When you cook with incredible ingredients, you make incredible meals. And Blue Apron sets the highest quality standards for their community of artisanal suppliers, family-run farms, fisheries, and ranchers, and for less than $10 a meal, and believe me, you are going to pay more than that if you are somebody who goes out to eat frequently, Blue Apron is going to save you the time and the energy of going shopping. They're going to deliver those fresh ingredients. By the time you drive to get to where you're going out to eat, you can have this meal cooked. And again, less than $20 a meal. They never give you the same recipe in a 12-month period. And cooking together as a family helps build strong family bonds. Research shows that Blue Apron families cook nearly three times more often. I also like the fact that the calories were listed on the card. Uh, sometimes I'm counting calories. I'm calorie conscious. If you are as well, that will be helpful. And the plated food looks the same as it does 
with the recipe and the instructions. So keep in mind, you can customize your recipes each week based on your preferences, choose your delivery, and here's where we give back to you. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com forward slash CSL 2016. You're going to love how good it feels, tastes, to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait. That's blueapron.com forward slash CSL 2016. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. And now we're going to get into it, making his inaugural debut on Celtic Stuff Live, Adam Kaufman, host of Celtics at 7 on 98.5, the Sports Hub, and Morning Drive anchor on WBZ News Radio 1030. And Adam, I know... I know you've made an appearance on Bobby Manning's The Bobcast. Actually, you were his very first guest ever. And there is that Syracuse connection like we talked about before we came on air. But what I'd like to do is, is have you introduce yourself a little bit to our listening audience. Celtic Stuff Live has been around for almost a decade, although we took a three- or four-year break but I thought maybe tell us a little bit about sort of your background and and uh, your love for Boston sports and, and how you found your way to, to 98.5 The Sports Hub. Sure. Uh, I mean, it's a long and winding tale, but I won't uh, eat up all of our time. Uh, first, obviously, great to be here. I appreciate you uh, having me on. As far as my background goes, I went to Syracuse, as you alluded to, and um have been at the Sports Hub, not since the launch of the station in 2009, but since uh, 2011. Um, have done a wide variety of things at the station, from headlines to hosting to uh, different uh, roles within the Celtics broadcast. I, I will host their halftime and post-game shows for, for many of their games, have been since the rights came to 98.5 a few years ago from WEEI. And... Um, that's all kind of on the side, uh, along with some other things, to my main job, which is at WBZ AM, as you mentioned, um, there Monday through Friday, morning drive anchor. And so it's it's always a busy time, but, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't trade it. You know, the beauty of growing up in this market, and I'm, I'm from the Boston area, uh, I've just always been a passionate Boston sports fan, and uh, that's really carried me throughout my life, even when I've left to move around for other jobs before making my way back here. It's always been all all about Boston sports. The uh, I guess the kind of irony of being on a Celtics podcast, obviously I'm very involved in, in covering the Celtics now and have been for a few years, and they're one of my favorite teams. And even when I was younger, had season tickets for a little while. Um but the, the irony is that uh, for the first decade of my career, I worked in hockey, spent a handful of years in the Bruins organization, called games uh, down in the minors in a variety of markets and states. And so, um, you know, I could go on and on and on as far as uh, sort of what's taken me to this point. But uh, it's it's been a fun ride. Yeah, and you did a nice job of kind of detailing that on the Bobcast. So listeners on CLNS Radio go over and listen to Bobby Manning's very first podcast with Adam because I know it was pretty in-depth about how you took sort of a roundabout way to come back to Boston but felt pretty lucky to be able to cover the teams that you grew up watching and loving and same thing for me you know now I live in Pennsylvania and that's the beauty of the internet 
is that I can continue to watch and cover the Celtics since uh, leaving Maine about seven years ago. When I first was covering, and when we first started Celtics Stuff Live and we're covering the Celtics, you know, I was driving two hours to the game and, and doing the game coverage and then driving back and, you know, definitely it took a lot of took a lot of time but then we relocated and the internet's been really a great way to to be able to stay up with it and, and continue to do this and I think one of the things you know we're looking at the holiday game coming up tomorrow the Christmas Day game and the Celtics Knicks mm-hmm. really hasn't been much of a rivalry in the past but we had Mike Gorman on the other day and Mike said he's actually really surprised at how good the Knicks are and uh, getting better. Obviously, Porzingis is a, is a big part of that, and you remember the draft night when everybody booed that pick, <laughs> but I think there's a lot of teams yeah. that, that wish they had gotten booed that evening now that they've had a chance to see him play, but what do you think about this tip-off tomorrow against the Knicks and, and the Christmas Day game at noon? I've always felt like those, in the past, those midday games have spelled trouble for the Celtics sort of trying to get up and it's always weird on the holidays just because you're splitting time with family and then you've got to go sort of do your job in the middle of the day what do you kind of expect from this game well I mean I I think it'll be a good game obviously the Celtics had a very busy schedule lately they had three game road trip and then right after from Indiana back to the garden to face Oklahoma City and now obviously in New York for this one so it's a, a busy time but they're young. They're one of the younger teams in the NBA. They've they've got an energetic coach, uh, although it may not always be uh, displayed. I think there's, you know, they'll they'll be up for the game. Quite frankly, while the Knicks, as Mike Gorman said, uh, rightfully so, and while the Knicks have been better than uh, I think a lot of people expected, I only think that will last to a point. I mean, Porzingis is very talented. Derrick Rose is is good when he's healthy. Um, Carmelo Anthony, we all know what he is and what he's capable of doing, but ultimately this is a team that to me is at best the fifth or sixth seed in the Eastern Conference and isn't a team that's going to make any noise come the postseason. Uh, I think the, the Knicks kind of are who we think they are, or at least will be come, come the end of the year. It, it speaks to the NBA. I mean, you can have some parity during the regular season. When you get to the playoffs, talent wins out, and the Knicks uh, have a a very talented team if it were three or four years ago, but it's not. And a lot of these guys have injury histories, and uh, I think hopefully it'll be a good game. It's always exciting, obviously, to to have your team playing on Christmas Day. I mean, I think I'm going off the top of my head here, but I I think the last time the Celtics played Christmas Day was four years ago, and and they were in Brooklyn, uh, if if I remember correctly. Uh, and and obviously that was the end of the the new big three era, even though at, at that point, I, I believe anyway, Ray Allen had already been gone unless this is That's five correct. years ago and not four, you know, e- either way it, you know, it's, it's, it's been a while and there's a reason for that. The Celtics haven't been good enough to be considered to play on Christmas day. Well, all of that changed this year with the preseason expectations of, of being a 50 plus win team and, and potential second seed and Eastern conference finalists and, and, 22 nationally televised games, including this one that's coming up. It's, you know, it's nice to see all the hype, but we need to see this team live up to that. And I don't singularly mean on Christmas day. I mean, throughout the year, it's, it's been a fun ride so far, but there's been a, an awful lot of inconsistency as well. It's just good that, you know, now the, the lineup is healthy. 
And, you know, you mentioned the Knicks lineup, that, that health being such a question mark for them. Yeah, maybe right now, but will it last the season? Look at the Celtics. Other than Kelly Olynyk, we expected this team to be healthy, and, and that was not the case down the stretch and in the playoffs last year. Now they're, they're finally full force again. Isaiah Thomas has been an absolute stud, and also efficiently so in the fourth quarter and throughout games recently, carried them on their back. You would have thought against the Pacers that, that there was going to be an opportunity in the fourth quarter for the subs to come in and Isaiah get a break. Obviously, that didn't happen. He had carried the team uh, the game before against the Grizzlies. But at the end of the day, this team is starting to put things back together. Amir Johnson does seem healthier, even though he's been playing and he hasn't really missed any games. It's almost like that plantar fasciitis may have been bothering him. He had a really nice game against the Pacers. But just moving better is what it appears. Do you think that this team is going to do what they did the last two seasons under Brad Stevens and really pour it on for the last two-thirds of the year, at least the final half of the season? Are we going to see them come together and be the team that we sort of thought they were going to be heading into this year with the addition of Al Horford? Well, I, you know, I hope so. I I do believe that, uh, you know, the direction they're heading in, so long as they are able to stay healthy, and as we've already seen early in the season, things can change in an instant. You know, you don't bank on, as you alluded to, you knew Kelly Olynyk was going to miss some time, but you didn't know Marcus Smart was going to get hurt in the last preseason game and miss a little time to start the year. You didn't know Isaiah Thomas was going to go down for four injuries with a groin injury. You didn't know Al Horford was going to have the concussion, miss 10 games, and Jay Crowder was going to have the ankle injury and, and miss eight, nine games. You know, so this this stuff, it's unpredictable, and it changes the dynamic of your team. You know, this isn't Cleveland where if you lose Kyrie Irving for a month, you know, you can still kind of survive it because you have LeBron James and you have Kevin Love or your Golden State where Clay Thompson goes down, but you still have Steph Curry and Kevin Durant and Draymond Green, you know, the Celtics aren't built that way. You lose Al Horford or Isaiah Thomas or Avery Bradley or even Marcus Smart, you know, one of those guys for for a stretch of time, it's going to cost you games. I mean, there were some winnable games, even just recently when Thomas was out against good, high-quality competition where the Celtics were in the fourth quarter of those games and within a possession or two and really had a chance to beat the Thunder or beat the Spurs or beat the Raptors or whoever it was and and ultimately couldn't do it because they didn't have that fourth quarter guy that Thomas has shown to be early this year I mean he's averaging nine and a half points in the fourth quarter no one is better than that in the NBA save for Russell Westbrook he has been as good a fourth quarter performer as there is in the NBA this year and they were missing him during that run so I'd like to believe they can reach that ceiling reach those expectations win north of 50 games but it's not going to be easy and sounds like a built-in excuse i recognize but health is uh, going to be a big part of that for this team and and consistency and fight and energy level you know too many times we have already seen this year something that we almost never saw last year or even the year before which is the Celtics just not showing up some games you know we're used to them playing up or down to their competition playing close games with the spurs or thunder but then playing close games with the Sixers or Nets, and that's just kind of been accepted. Well, it, it shouldn't be. you got to beat the crap out of the inferior competition, the teams that you're supposed to beat. And hopefully they're trending in that direction and, and, and doing that because now, as we talked about before, whether it's Christmas Day or other nationally televised games, 
They're on that stage. And guys are paying attention. They took note of the fact that Al Horford signed in Boston. They took note of the fact that Kevin Durant took a meeting with Boston. If you want to be able to sign a big impact marquee free agent this offseason or the next offseason, you got to do, you know, it's, it's like put your, you know, mouth where your money is, so to speak, in, in this particular case. And, and hopefully they'll do that. Yeah, you know, that's a really good point. They have to get, they can't repeat history and get bounced in the first round if they're really going to pull in a free agent. Everybody's going to want to see that they're continuing to be on the rise. They are better than they were at this point in the season, only marginally better than they were last year with some similar struggles. You know, here's the curious trifecta of points that don't seem to add up that I still don't quite get because you mentioned health and it's this built-in excuse. At the same time, nobody wants to give them that because the one of the strengths of the team is supposedly the depth that they have, right? Then you go to the next one, which is one of the biggest struggles through the beginning part of the season, like you mentioned too and alluded to about effort, is really the perimeter defense wasn't showing up. And it used to be that their offense was generated off defensive plays. But then we go to the games that they've lost against their best opponents, and the discussion is that they didn't have their closer, Isaiah Thomas, to come in and close it out. None of those things like truly add up unless you can only point to maybe just chemistry not coming together yet. No, it's true. It's true. You know, I mean, there's a reason right now that this team is substantially better when it has its its full, healthy rotation of players. Uh, you know, I think it's in the in the neighborhood of eleven and three. You know, ballpark something like that. They've been very, very good when when they've got their ideal starting five in those rare moments that that they've been healthy this year and. You know, one thing that I that I didn't mention before either that should really help them coming up at least for a little while is uh, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but the bulk of their schedule to this point has been played on the road. They have got a a stretch of like 12 out of 18 at home, where you need to be a good team in your own building. You need to protect your court. I mean, I, I've always said, and I don't care the sport. I mean, NFL I guess is a little bit different, but when you, whether you're talking baseball, basketball, hockey, you know, I think you really need to be a, ideally a 500 team on the road and team that wins 75% of your games at home. And it's, it's not always easy to do that exactly, obviously, and there's give and take, but, you know, you need to be a good home team. And, uh, you know, the Celtics to this point have been, but you've got to continue to, uh, to build upon that going forward here. And that's going to help them toward that win column as well. But getting back to your original point, and I said this going into the year. My projection going into the year, I, I want to say I said 53 wins. Um, I don't care if they win 46. You know, for me, it's not about the regular season win total. It's, as you noted, getting out of the first round. That is what you have to do to get people's attention. Yeah, it's so key. And you made a really good point about road record. And then, you, I mean, road games to date, they had a very tight schedule. They played a lot of games a lot of games on the road, pretty respectable 10-7 and 7 record to this point, and then you kind of consider the fact that they were struggling with injuries. The schedule lightens up, more games at home. It really should serve them well as they hit that home stretch and hopefully, unlike last year, will be healthy going into the postseason and really showing uh, the NBA what they're all about. Hopefully they'll distance themselves in that middling pack and push up towards the top three in the Eastern Conference as well. We're going to be right back after a quick word from our sponsor, audible.com. 
All right, we're back with Adam Kaufman, host of Celtics at 7 on the 98.5, the Sports Hub, and Morning Drive Anchor on WBZ News Radio 1030. And Adam, I gotta go to some trade rumors. We'll, we'll sit tight a little bit because the closing conversation with you is definitely about the tweet that you put out there with, with Boogie Cousins. And we just had Mike Gorman on the other day who is probably one of the most vocal anti-Cousins, uh, trade uh, proponents, I guess, or opponents. But let's talk a little bit about uh, somebody who's a, a Boston native, Noel, down in Philadelphia. And here's the interesting take. I'm going to tie it to some of the younger players on the roster and sort of their future promise. But Marcus Smart has been as polarizing as Rajon Rondo was early in his career underneath the guidance of Doc Rivers, although Brad Stevens with a little bit different relationship with his point guards. It was always hard to be a point guard under Doc Rivers. But as far as the Boston fan base, a lot of criticism at times for smart and flopping. You never stop seeing that. There's all every game Twitter is good for at least two or three fans complaining about Marcus Smart's flopping. At the same time hmm. Then you hear media and people talking about trading smart straight up for Noel, and nobody wants to do that. And I think it was Jay King from MassLive.com tweeted out during the Pacers game. He said, the people, or maybe it was Chris Forsberg from ESPN, I can't remember who, but one of them tweeted out and said, listen, anybody who wants to trade Marcus Smart straight up for Noel or, or somebody on, uh, from that, from not named Embiid from that front court in Philadelphia really isn't watching the games and is too willing to give up a Marcus. What's your stance on Marcus's play and do you see him as a key cog in the future or do you see him as a pretty tradable asset? All right. Well, it's a twofold answer. Um, I love Marcus Smart. I wouldn't be looking to trade him, but I cage that uh, every time that I have a conversation like this about Marcus or any other player on the roster for that matter. Short of Al Horford, everybody is available. I mean, there's really, you know, there's no, even including the Brooklyn picks, which I'd be very hesitant to give up, at least the 2017 pick, there's no untradeable asset on the Boston Celtics. And the only reason, because you may be wondering, or your listeners may be wondering, the only reason I even include Al Horford in that conversation is because Al Horford is, to date, undeniably the most significant free agent addition in the history of the Boston Celtics. And if you trade him almost immediately upon signing him, you're sending a horrible message to other free agents out there who are going to say, well, they're just looking to get better, which is good, but... I'm going to go and move my family there and sign there, and half a year later they're going to move me after I signed a four-year deal. Screw that. I'm not going to Boston. So Al Horford, for a period of time, at least a couple of years, is unmovable. You can't do it. You, it, it for no other reason than the message it sends. Not because he's too good. It's because of the message that it sends to other free agents around a very sensitive NBA to stuff like that. So you can't move him. But Marcus Smart, yeah. I'd move them depending on what you're getting in return. And that's always the case. And that's not me, you know, uh, the criticism. What about for Noel? I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. But what about Noel? No, I wouldn't move smart for Noel. Agreed. Uh, I I think that it's it's too much for a variety of reasons. I like Noel. I like that he's the hometown kid. I, 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 you know, he, he's a very good defensive player, a, a 
you know, great rim protector. He can rebound. He's, uh, you know, would fit in seamlessly defensively in the Brad Stevens system. And while he's not a good offensive player, could probably give you enough. You know, he's not a scorer, but he could probably give you 10 points a game and, and high caliber defense. But here's the thing that I always come back to with Nerlens Noel. Unlike Marcus Smart, who, by the way, I believe is an elite defensive player, or at least will be in the next year or two, a great perimeter defender especially, and he can guard multiple positions. We've seen him guard Chris Stapps Porzingis in the past and do it well. We've seen him guard you know, Paul Millsap in the past and do it well. Here's the problem. Nerlens Noel is going to be a free agent after this year, a restricted free agent, but a free agent, and also a guy who in his brief NBA career has not shown an ability to stay healthy, nor going back to his time in college, and he's going to be looking to get paid. So are you going to want to give Nerlens Noel eight figures a year, eight figures a year to get him to come back when you still don't really know what to expect from him, especially when it comes to staying on the court in exchange for a guy that is under your control for the next couple of years, who's already shown that he fits well and is turning into a ball handler, is, is turning into a true point guard, which he's not been this first couple of years. I like Nerlens Noel. I'd be interested in acquiring him for a non-Nets draft pick. I'm not giving up Marcus Smart for him. It's, it's not even a consideration. Yeah, I'm in the same camp as you, but the team could definitely use a rebounder. And the other thing yeah. with the collective bargaining agreement is the salary that they need to shed to be able to get a max free agent this offseason, even if they renounce Kelly Olynyk, they're on the line. Um, if they moved a Marcus Smart or a Terry Rozier by... If they could get that max free agent and they allow Olenek and Noel to walk, no big deal because they just brought another player in. But I do, I do think, I think less, uh, that I'm concerned about the restricted free agency because if you don't, if you don't pull anybody else in, you might as well offer Noel the money. The problem I really have with that is a lot like the proposed trades and rumors about Blake Griffin, which is health. You know, when you go all in and then you can't keep a player on the floor, you can really get mired in mediocrity as a result of that. And we're about to find out over the next four to six weeks just how how the Clippers are going to be. You know, they had a really nice season so far. And what are they going to be sure. without Blake? I mean, I see all the reasons you would want Blake. And I see all the reasons my, you might want Noel. But injuries scare me. I want to go back to what you said about Horford, too, which is you say it would send a horrible message to the league if they were to trade him right after they finally got a chance to sign such a big-name free agent. It would take him out of the game this offseason for certain. But secondarily, there's like this discussion about are they going to have to go all-in for win now or can they maybe take a step back to take more steps forward two to three years down the line of the youth movement? Does the Horford... For the same reasons that you say they can't trade Horford, does that also force them into the win now mode on some level? Maybe not, you know, maybe if there's no player available, they can't. But doesn't it force them to stay on track with Isaiah Thomas just as much as it does with Al Horford just to send the right message to keep moving forward if they're going to try to draw a max free agent? Well, I think Danny Ainge would be very, very hesitant to trade Isaiah Thomas. He's had a, a crush on Isaiah Thomas since he played back at Washington in college. The thing with Isaiah Thomas that complicates the issue is much like Bradley and less so Crowder because he's got longer left on his deal in terms of term, you know, 
Thomas is on this great contract where he is only around another year and a half on a declining deal that is paying him less than $7 million a year. You know what you're paying Horford. You know how long he's going to be around. This is the first of four years. With Thomas, he's already made, you know, he's alluded to the Brinks truck. So you kind of have to talk out of both sides of your mouth when it comes to him, unfortunately, because he's turning into a top 25 player in the NBA, at least this year, a very, very good scorer. Like I said, as good a fourth quarter player as there has been. He's not afraid of the big moments. He's he's become that clutch scorer that we've been saying for years. The Celtics have not had, you know, since Paul Pierce or Ray Allen, and, and he's They didn't have it when they traded for him. He's become this before our eyes, and it's been a lot of fun to watch. But are the Celtics going to want to pay him $30 million a year in a couple of years if he's not willing to give the Celtics a hometown discount? I don't think so. That's really hard to believe. So, you know, he's you kind of have to, if you're Danny Ainge and it's not an enviable position, you have to debate. How much are we chasing this thing right now with Al Horford and a few guys on, on really favorable contracts and a good nucleus versus do we move Thomas, not necessarily now, maybe a year from now, for something, some level of return because we're not going to want to pay this guy significant dollars, max money even, maybe, if he keeps doing what he's doing for the next year and a half. It's It's really a complicated situation and uh you know i'm not in the trade thomas camp not yet but i could see why you would seriously think about it going forward if you're danny ainge yeah you you it's an interesting uh they're kind of stuck with that a little bit and i think the longer you wait the less value that contract is what there's really no value if you wait a year because then at that point it's just an expiring contract and it's not even going to lift all that much financial burden off any team that he gets traded to off their books so it's almost like if well, you're going to do that you want to do it sooner right yeah it's well and it's certainly not going to get you what you could like if you traded him now um you know what would it get you i mean could you get jabari parker could you get the Greek freak? Could you get, you know, I don't even know who, some, you know, young player around the NBA who's under control for longer and who is younger and not as developed, but you're confident you can get him there while you've still got Horford that's, you know, he's, he's still, you know, he's toward the end of his prime, but he's still in his prime and you've got all these other pieces around. Would it be willing to do that versus, you know, you brought up Cousins or whether it's somebody else like Cousins that would cost you a haul in return. You know, we had the conversations in the off season about Blake Griffin, about Russell Westbrook. You know, if you were to make the trade for guys of that caliber back then, you got to keep in mind, you're not just parting with, you know, you're not just acquiring one of those guys. And all of a sudden you're so much better on paper. Maybe you are, you're certainly getting a, a superstar level talent. You're getting a, a top talent. You're getting better, you know, something better in return then exists on your roster, but you're not just parting with Nets picks. You're potentially giving up Crowder or Bradley or both or smart or whatever the combination is that, you know, there's, there's such a thing as sort of, you know, depleting your roster. You know, I've always used the sort of the expression, and this goes back to before all the weird off season signings that the bulls made and bringing in, bringing in Rondo and bringing in Dwayne Wade, you know, I, I don't want to be the Chicago Bulls. You know, I, I don't want to be a team that you know is, is like a, a bottom half 
team of, of the playoff structure in the Eastern Conference just because you have Jimmy Butler. You know, you've given up all these assets to get a good, good player, maybe a star, superstar, borderline-level player in Jimmy Butler, but look at all you had to give up in return to get him, and now your franchise has taken a step back for it. It's, I tell you what, Danny Ainge is in an enviable position because he has all of these assets and choices to make and some cap flexibility coming up, but a totally unenviable position because he's got to make this decision and one that could launch him closer to Banner 18 or one that could set the franchise back a decade. Yeah, and he's not going to set him back a decade. It's almost like you don't see them moving Isaiah Thomas under any conditions, even though this is really his upcoming off his upcoming free agency is his only chance to really get that big payday that he's looking for. And I know it was in jest when he said the Brinks truck, but there's a lot of truth to it. You know, there's always truth in jest, and that's definitely the case with Isaiah. This is his opportunity to to really make hay. Um, he's never going to be well. You know, knock on wood over the next 18 months or, you know, year and a half, season and a half, he's never going to be healthier. He's never going to be quicker. He's never going to be stronger. He may be able to retain that for a while over the course of that next contract, but it's highly unlikely that when this next contract expires, that he's still going to be in line for, for big, big dollars. And so, you know, he's going to go the way of Evan Turner and he's going to want to get paid and he's going to have earned it and deserved it most likely. So let's, let's wrap on this. I know we're getting close to the end here, but we've got to talk about your tweet from a little over a week ago about uh, DeMarcus Cousins. And I know neither from sources within the Kings or the Celtics organization, but around the league, the discussion, and I, and I wanted to kind of characterize a little bit because I know you said, hey, I'm not saying that there will be a trade. I'm just saying that I'm hearing some things. And I want to know from your viewpoint in those conversations, that if if this trade is more opposing GMs feeling like this conversation's been going on long enough that there's you know where there's smoke there's fire or you know what what are what are those sources I guess um, confidence level in something you know really being discussed intently because I I'm very confident in the people I've talked to that those Blake Griffin conversations were very real last year and may even continue into this season. But the Boogie Cousins one, more is, more to me seems like it's just a natural fit between the organizations more than reported discussions been going on. Sure. I, you know, the, as it was explained to me, and I'm with you, I mean, I think the, the conversations were real concerning Blake Griffin as well, though I didn't directly speak to... Uh, anyone about them it was more third party uh sort of stuff so nothing that i you know would would put out there myself but as far as the cousins thing as it was explained to me there has been you know there there are members of other front offices not sacramento not boston that believe traction is being made on a deal between these two teams involving demarcus cousins now whether that means that's because they believe there's a natural fit whether it's because there's Maybe one of them is a third team in a possible three-team deal uh, that has, you know, a, a deeper knowledge. Maybe it's a situation where uh, they just, you know, have themselves heard a lot in terms of the smoke fire, as uh, as you brought up. You know, it could be any or all of those things. Fact is, you know, I, I think there's there's something to it. I, I think it makes too much sense 
for there to not be conversation because as we've spoken about a thousand times, the Celtics are always going to be linked to these conversations involving a superstar player who may become available for trade because they have the assets that most teams across the league don't. So even if there's real interest or not, they're going to be linked to it and there's going to be a belief that they're linked to it. Now, whether it comes to pass, I don't know. We wait and see, obviously. You know, I don't think anything was imminent. I think it was more of a January, February kind of thing, like closer to the trade deadline um, and even potentially in the off season because Cousins has another year plus left on his deal, same as Isaiah Thomas. Um, I'll, I'll also say, I didn't put this out on Twitter, uh, that the same uh, source that told me about this uh, concerning Cousins said that they had heard rumblings about uh, the Celtics and Gordon Hayward uh, in the Jazz. And I heard that, and I sort of thought to myself, uh, well, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. But, you know, me personally, my feeling is why why would you give up assets for a guy that if, you know, you're Brad Stevens, you already have the connection from Butler, you already have the relationship. It's a, it's a logical free agent signing. He's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. Uh, you know, short of being able to offer him the most money, which you can do when you control his rights, why would you give up something for him? So I just kind of, okay, yeah, whatever. And and I let that one go. And uh, very next day it was when Adrian Wojnarowski on his podcast brought up the Celtics and Gordon Hayward. So it's, you know, maybe this person is uh, very tapped in and, you know, we wait and see. But I, I do think the whole thing is interesting. Yeah, I do too, and it's almost like when you know Crowder's already on the roster, that if Hayward, if if Hayward has has notable connections, obviously just Brad Stevens and Butler, and he can score, and, and he kind of he's Evan Turner, but a little bit better and a little bit younger. Well, not younger, but I, I just feel like more upside. Maybe that's the best way to say it. And. At the end of the day, though, it's almost like Crowder has to move. So maybe Crowder is in, maybe it's two deals. You know, Crowder gets moved for Cousins, and then that makes an opportunity to trade for Hayward. I know we always kind of look at it like maybe there's only one deal, but there could be multiple deals that wind up moving all the pieces around because really there are a ton of assets. And like you said, Danny's in an unenviable position but ultimately, he's been known in the past to cash him in. And the thing that we talked about with Gorman, and then we'll wrap we'll, we'll wrap up the interview, Adam. But the thing we talked about with Gorman that we didn't really get to, um, but we talked a little bit as we closed the show, just John and myself, was the fact that this team, you know, obviously Gorman said Brad would like to coach veteran players, guys in their late 20s, approaching their 30s. That's mm-hmm. what wins championships. But if you remember the last time when they put together the big three, they did have a Rajon Rondo and a Kendrick Perkins, both young players, playing, starting and playing substantial minutes and having a big impact on their ability to win those championships. It's not out of the question to have some rotation players that are young. It just seems like this time around, Danny has even more going for him, and he may actually be able to trade out of being in that position like he was the first time. Yeah, I think so. You know, I think they're they're in a very good position. You know, Danny Gange has, has you know, he, he got Isaiah Thomas for nothing. I mean, Mar- Marcus Thornton and a, a late first-round pick. He got, you know, obviously all the 
you know, the Nets trade in for all those picks in return and, and, you know, parted with uh, a couple of aging stars who we're all very fond of, but, um, you know, weren't going to be part of, of Banner 18 in all likelihood and, you know, have, have not gone on to win championships since. Um, Ainge has, has, gets a lot of flack, you know, sometimes rightfully so, sometimes not for how he's performed in the draft. And if you want to look back and say, well, the last player that Ainge drafted that got an extension to his rookie deal was Rajon Rondo, that's fair. That's completely fair. But, you know, there all these complimentary pieces and some of the signings and, and additions that he's put around them, he has been able to stockpile assets and free up cap space all the while. And the head coach has been a huge part of this. Put a team on the floor that is capable of winning 50 games and should this year win 50 games. I mean, to think that they were in a place, and this has so rarely been done in the NBA. I know Kevin O'Connor's written about it for The Ringer, where you can have a team projected to win north of 50 games and have the number three overall pick in the draft that very same year. It's it's remarkable. I honestly, I It's really only comparable to the Len Bias year, if you really think about yeah, where the Celtics were then. It's true. I, I'm not going to say Danny Ainge doesn't get enough credit because he gets plenty of credit and, and, and you know, green teamers are, are, you know, loyal to him to the point where I think some people view that as an offensive term. But it's, uh, you know, I, I applaud it. You know, he's doing a good job. And I think when this team wins Banner 18, and, and that's a when, not an if, it's going to happen. I think Ainge and Brad Stevens both are going to be part of it. All right, Adam Kaufman giving me an extra 10 minutes uh, this today to be able to do this interview, and it was awesome to have you on for the first time. Uh, really appreciate you coming on and, and especially illuminating some of the, co- the Cousins conversation a little bit. You know trade rumors is just going to be the big discussion point for the next two months leading up into the uh, trade deadline for sure. Well, beautiful thing. It's fun, right? I love uh... <laughs> We, we love getting out the trade machine and trying to figure it out ourselves until uh, ultimately that, you know, 3, 4 o'clock, whatever it is, strikes. Yeah, and the Celtics are masters of the cap, so they're definitely, they've got decisions to make, and there will be moves. There will definitely be moves. Hopefully, now that the CBA is in place, it'll shake some of these discussions loose that have been going on for a while. Adam, thanks a lot for coming on the show. We'll have you again on uh, very soon. Pleasure's mine, man. Thanks. Look forward to it. All right, Adam Kaufman, everybody, making his first appearance here on Celtic Stuff Live. A pleasure to have him. Really uh, went around the horn a little bit. And just as a programming note, a reminder, John and I will not have a show uh, this Monday coming out after uh, Christmas Day. But enjoy the game against the Knicks. We're going to be back January 2nd after the holiday. A couple of bonus interviews here for you to kind of set you on your way through the holidays with Mike Gorman, who gave us an hour and was absolutely fantastic uh, on Wednesday or Thursday. Thursday, and then obviously this Saturday morning, Christmas Eve special edition with Adam Kaufman. Adam and I went back and forth since Thanksgiving trying to line up a time, so I'm glad things finally came together. We get you kind of a bonus interview, a little bit of a look at his rumors or uh, the rumors that he was hearing and tweeted out about Boogie Cousins, Boogie Cousins, so that's good. 
And everybody, I just want to wish you a happy holidays and a reminder that this show will be available on demand on the CLNS Radio mobile app as well as CLNSRadio.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin. That's me, my co-host at CSL underscore Duke. A big thank you to everybody for tuning in. You can help support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to rate and review the show because your feedback is extremely important to us. And a reminder that today's show is brought to you by Audible.com and BlueApron.com. They have a great deal for all of your all of you listeners, but most importantly, you would be supporting our show and the entire network. Thank you to the loyal CLNS radio audience who makes it all worthwhile. And for staff writer Samuel Elias, executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Radio, Nick Gelso, and my co-host John Duke, I'm Justin Poulin. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live.